0: Last week, I started talking about worship as warfare, and we talked about Joshua and the and the and the wall of Jericho. Is everybody remember the wall of Jer- Jericho? Jericho literally means fragrance. And what happened was when the seventh day came and the children of Israel marched around the wall... Um, and they shouted at the end of their wall that god literally sat down on the wall pushed it into the ground and the thing that stood before them was there no more because of their shout not because of their swords and not because of their shield but because of their shout there was something intrinsically powerful about your worship and about your praise you you can come in and feel the glory on someone else's praise but you will never you will never have breakthrough unless it's your praise and your worship you're not going to get it but it's as you open your mouth and you You shout from your belly and say with your mouth, the Lord be magnified. The Lord is worthy that that all of a sudden your breakthrough comes. And many of us become jaded in our walk with God because we come to church and we feel the corporate anointing and we know there was a move and we feel goose pimples. But we go back home and and the mountain that we thought should be moved is still there. And the issue is you were celebrating someone else's breakthrough and not getting your own. You're not going to get your own until you open your mouth, until you begin to speak and say, oh, we magnify the Lord, you know, amen, amen. So this is worship as warfare. God is weird the way he does stuff. God doesn't send battling armies into warfare. He does weird stuff like says, hey, let the worshipers go first. I'm going to talk some more today about worship as warfare. And my subtitle is About Midnight. Say with me, About Midnight. hmm Yeah. He, God does weird things. He says, tell you what, I'm going to trick the enemy. You go out and start singing victory. And if I were the leader, I would say, but Lord, we hadn't started fighting yet. And the Lord said, don't you sweat it. I'm better at this than you are. Just go do what I said. And so they went out and they began to sing. We've won. They sang, the Bible says, the song of victory. Now, I don't know if that was victory is mine or victory in Jesus. It probably wasn't Jesus because that name wasn't heard yet. But it was something, victory, victory, victory. And the enemy heard it and the enemy said, well, heck, they're singing the victory song. I guess we'll just go home. And before there was ever a sword drawn or a slingshot drawn or anything done, the enemy went into retreat simply because the worshipers stood and said, We've already got the victory. Would to God in 2019 there would be some worshipers stand up and say, We've already got the victory. We've not come to get a victory. We're here to declare the victory that Jesus Christ won on our behalf. Amen. And amen. His work is finished, but yours ain't. Ain't. One of my favorite words. So let's read today. I'm going to read from uh, Roman. Uh, I'm sorry, Acts. I didn't put the chapter down. I think it's 16. I should have. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And so she prevailed upon us. Now, verse 16. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl, having a spirit of divination, witchcraft, met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. I think it might have been Sister Mary. (laughs) Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. I want to pause there and make a point that she was not incorrect in what she was saying. They indeed were proclaiming salvation through Jesus Christ. The problem with it was she was an annoying spirit, and it was not coming from the Holy Spirit. And so Paul said to her, uh, she continued doing this for many days, and Paul became annoyed. I love that. That's one of my favorite three words. Paul became annoyed in the scripture because Paul, who said, I have all revelation and have received all mysteries, is a human being just like you and just like me. If Paul can get annoyed, don't worry and beat yourself up when you get annoyed. Now, that don't mean live in annoyance. Because when you live in annoyance, you just become a thorn and nobody wants to be around you. But if you get annoyed from time to time, you're in good company. Paul the apostle that had all mysteries and saw all things, he got annoyed as well. How many of you ever gotten annoyed and beat yourself up for it? Don't beat yourself up. It's all right. Just don't live there. Paul was annoyed and turned to the Spirit and said... Next time you're annoyed remember it's not flesh and blood you're fighting against that's not the message That's the free part turn to the spirit and say I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her I mean he's doing his thing. He's simply preaching and stops and says get leave us alone I command you to come out of her and it came out that very moment But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone it, This sounds like the, this sounds like the church they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being that we're Romans. There it is. Can I have that a little bit louder? We'll put it on the microphone. It'll save my voice. <laughs> The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received that command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight. Say <laughs> with me, but about midnight. Midnight. I like how the Lord decided because the Bible says all scripture is god-breathed and good for, for and good for you to read. It's god-breathed. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And what happens? And the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly, somebody say suddenly, there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately, when did it happen? Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we'll all hear. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. After this, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? My God, what a testimony. About midnight. And they said, Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. I love it. And they, were, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him together. Now, this is the man that just threw them in prison. This is the man that just shackled them to the wet, moldy walls of the inner prison and shackled their hands and feet. And probably was one of the ones that had taken rods and tore their clothes off and beat them. And Paul's preaching to him and said, look, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Now this man is at Paul and Silas's feet. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your whole household to be saved. So he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all of his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Now, when day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen, saying, release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the chief magistrates have sent to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace, my God. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us in public without trial. Paul is crazy. (laughs) Paul is absolutely crazy. They've beaten us without trial. We are Romans, just like they are. They've thrown us into prison, and now they're sending us away secretly? No way. No, not indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. And the policemen reported these words to the chief magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and appealed to them, and when they had brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. They went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, and when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Amen. Bruised and wounded for simply being faithful servants. And casting out a demon, Paul and his apprentice find themselves beaten and bloodied and chained in what was known then as maximum security prison. Wrongly accused without due process, thrown into a dungeon and shackled to the cold, wet walls. Now, I want you to go with me there in your minds, if you will, and I want you to try to put yourself in the place of Paul. Put yourself in the place of Paul. Or if you're a new Christian, put yourself in the place of Silas, who was accompanying Paul, maybe an apprentice of sorts. When I think of Paul and size, I think of myself and Bishop Johnson who took me multiple times to India and multiple times to Africa and to Mexico and showed me the world. And I was just simply this little boy just watching him. I remember the first time I went to India, I was on the phone with my brother-in-law, Mike, and a Muslim army came up the road with machine guns to kill anybody that wasn't Muslim. And, I took, and it's not a Muslim country. It's, an, it's, a, it's a Hindu country, but there are Muslims there. And I took off running and got into the compound. When I think of this, I went to, uh, in 2005, with Mar- Mom and Marie and Colleen and Becky, went with Bishop and I to Uganda. And on the way to Uganda, we flew into a town called Jinja. And when we got into Jinja, we took a, a van, a Scooby-Doo van is what it was. It was, it was Scooby-Doo. And, and there was about 613 of us in there. It felt like it, didn't it? And I was cramped up in the floor for hours Late at night and we finally got to a checkpoint and in the checkpoint this man comes up to the window He puts his machine gun right through the door where I happen to be sitting now We had already been told give us some money. We're gonna pay these guys off. Don't sweat it But when you've got a gun this far from you you sweat it <laughs> You sweat it and the last thing I was thinking about well, let's praise and worship the thing I was thinking was boy If I had one of my own <laughs> Because that's what we do That's how we think we say we don't but still our, our nature Is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You're gonna beat me. You're gonna. You're gonna. So go with me if you would in this dungeon. Hands shackled. Wet walls behind you. It's cold. It hasn't seen the sunlight ever. Your feet are shackled. Your hands are shackled. You're probably coughing. Your blood is running down your back. It itches on your leg, but you can't scratch it because your hands are tied. You haven't done anything wrong. You literally were simply preaching and this witch wouldn't shut up and you shut her up and, now, and she's free. And because you do that and you took away the, you know, when I say that, there's a whole lot that goes on in church today that is manipulation. And did you know that the spirit of witchcraft is simply manipulation? How many times have you ever been to a church and been manipulated by the guy behind the podium? Huh? You speak out against stuff like that, what's the first thing that's going to happen? They're going to try to beat you to death for speaking out against it. I like Paul get annoyed with stuff like that. Everybody still with me? I got I got one leg on these glasses, but I'm gonna put them on, make sure I can see you. <laughs> this one broke off. I got a new pair, but they haven't made it in yet. We'll just put them right there like that. <laughs> so here Paul is, cold and bloodied, wrongfully accused, shackled to the moldy stone cold walls of this dungeon like prison in about midnight. The Bible says about midnight. Not quite yesterday and not quite tomorrow. It's the furthest point from light that ever was or light that will be. It's the furthest point removed from light. Hmm. Midnight when the old day is passing and the new day is at hand. Midnight where one day is going into the tomb and another one is being born from the womb. At midnight, the dividing point between what was and what, be, what will be. At midnight, the farthest point from life. It has been hours since sunset and will be hours until sunrise. In the darkest place of their life, what do you do? And Paul had this revelation. Paul that says, I'd had all things revealed unto me and I understand all mysteries. Paul that also said that even though I understand all mysteries, if I have not love, I'm nothing. What's Paul do? Does Paul begin to speak in tongues? Does Paul begin to shout? Does Paul begin to preach? Does Paul begin to accuse God wrongfully? How many times have you ever got mad at God because of a situation you were in? Now, God, this ain't what you told me you were going to do. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. Oh, I'm the only one? If you laughed, you have probably Hey <laughs> Henry, I bet so. This ain't what I signed up for. Is there anybody else up there I can talk to? But at midnight, at midnight, Paul says, I'm going to teach you something, Silas, that you'll never forget the rest of your life. And Silas says, what do you mean you're going to teach me something? Paul said, watch this, or I'm going to sing something. We praise your name. Or bless your name. We bless your name. And Silas said, what are you doing? Paul, you're crazy. Blood flowing down his nose, probably coming off the side of his mouth where he'd been beaten and his beard had been plucked. We give you honor, we give you praise. Silas, so just sing with me. Because you are the light, the truth, the way. We you bless your name. And Silas said, boy, you were crazy. You were absolutely crazy. They're trying to take your life, Paul. You're probably going to bleed to death tonight. And if you don't bleed to death, when they put you up before the court, they're going to they're sentence you to death. You're probably going to have your head chopped off. You should be fighting. You should be trying something else. And Paul said, no, no, no. Because I, I've learned that worship is my warfare. So I'm going to say, we bless your name. We bless. Silas was also upset with Paul probably because Silas got the same beating Paul got and he was simply a young boy there or maybe a middle-aged man trying to learn from Paul and help him out. Not a young boy, but a, a contemporary of Paul. Paul said, sing with me. Sing with me. Bless your name. We bless. I count it an honor. Paul said dumb stuff like I count it an honor to be beaten for the cause of Christ. Jesus was beaten, and he counted me worthy to also be beaten. We give you heart, and we give you praise. And in the darkest point of their life, the darkest point of the night, where the sun's not going to be seen for hours and hasn't been seen. For, you ever been in a place in your life where it seems like the light hadn't shined on your situation in so long, and you don't know how long it's going to be before the sun comes? Just, we bless your name. We bless your name. About midnight, when when yesterday everything that was is in the tomb and everything you hoped for is in the womb. And you're in this weird place, in this ethereal realm where nothing quite that you wanted to happen has happened. And everything has gone wrong. Are you going to complain or will you stand there and say, I bless your name. I bless your name. Finally, Silas says, Well, I ain't getting out of these shackles alone. I might as well sing with you. And at, all at once, they begin to sing together. We give you honor, probably in harmony. We give you praise. You are the light, the truth, the way. And finally, their sound reached all the way up into the throne of heaven. And God said, Look at them. <laughs> That's what, I'm, that's what I've been waiting on. Because, And Jesus remembered when he sat on the well one day and told a woman that there, the Father seeks those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul wasn't making a scene. He said, I might be here and they might take my freedom, but they can't take my worship. They, <laughs> they might take my body, but they can't take my praise. They will not take my worship. They will not take my praise. I'm going to praise them anyways. They can't take that from me. We give you honor. We give you praise. And the Lord looks down and says, I found somebody that will worship me at midnight. Somebody that will lift up his voice at midnight. Someone that refuses to allow the circumstances that they have found themselves in to dictate what comes out of their mouth. They refuse to allow chains to chain their heart. Instead, they open their mouth. And from their freed spirits and from their liberated souls, they begin to lift up an honor to me. And the Lord began to pat his foot to the song. He really liked it. And he patted his foot so hard, the Bible says the earth began to shake. And the prison doors, not just Paul and Silas's. the Bible says... Every single door of that prison flung open, and the shackles of all of the prisoners. Have you ever praised God so hard that not only did you get free, but everybody around you got free? Just lost yourself in a moment of praise and worship and said, I love you anyways. I praise you anyways. My wife might hate me, but I love you. My children haven't talked to me, but I love you. My husband's strung out and addicted, but I love you. I refuse to let anything take my... And all of a sudden, something begins to move. Something begins to tremble. And what happens is your prison opens, but so does everybody else's. Your praise will do a whole lot more than just open your your prison gates. It'll open somebody else's. It happened about midnight. Some of you today are in a midnight of yells. Some of you are addicted. Some of you are addicted to shame. That's the worst place to be addicted to. And you look in the mirror. Instead of seeing what you really are, which is a beautiful child of God, you judge yourself based on a shortcoming or something that you did or something that someone said or an insecurity that you have. And you believe the lie instead of believing the truth. Well, what is the truth? The truth is you're a child of God. Period. I wish I could remember the movie. I don't remember. I think it's a movie. It might be a book that I read years ago. And uh, this man, this woman was going on and on and on about how she felt insecure and how she felt ugly or what all. And finally, he grabbed her face and said, let me be your mirror. Let me be. I say you're beautiful. About midnight, Paul said, I refuse to allow these things that have held me bound to keep me bound any longer. Paul did not worship God with the ulterior motive of being free. You can't do that because you have to worship in spirit and truth. And worship is completely laying down what you want and raising up what you see, what you see about him. Worship is worth ship. It's laying down everything at the feet of the one that you're worshiping. But Paul had a secret he knew. Paul was very, very, very uh, a well-astute a well student of the Scripture. In fact, Paul may or maybe didn't write Hebrews, but Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and Paul was the one that would help you understand all the patterns and shadows and types in the Old Testament and, un- and make, a, make New Covenant understanding out of it. Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was one of the greatest teachers of his time. Paul said, look, he, when, he gives his, when he gives his resume one day, he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I've never sinned. I've kept every single jot and tittle of the law. That's crazy to say. And yet Paul was using everything he would learned in the old covenant to kill Christians. Isn't crazy, right? It's amazing. People, that, people can quote scripture and kill people left and right and get their sword and slash people to death and tell them that how bad they are, how sorry they are, how, how they're going to bust hell wide open and all the other nonsense that they tell them. Instead of saying, you know what, you're a child of God. And if you'll stop living like, if you'll stop living like a vagabond, you can be a son. Better get back on my notes. We chased that rabbit long enough. Paul decided to fight his battle without fighting. Instead, his response to all that he had been through was simply worship. He worshiped and sang with the blood running down his shackled hands and feet. He sang praises knowing that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed in me. He lifted his voice and worshiped until God himself moved. He worshiped. Until God moved and God's movement and with one blast from his nostril, the jail beca- began to shake and the earth began to move with the vibrating rhythm of heaven's heartbeat. Here's what happened. Paul begins to sing. Paul begins to worship. He literally tunes his spirit to the vibration of heaven. Listen to me. When you when you sing your vocal cords are doing nothing simply but vibrating. And depending on how fast or how slow your vocal cords vibrate, that will determine what pitch comes out of your voice. And Paul had learned by his spirit to tune his spirit to the frequency, the vibration of heaven. And so when he tuned his natural voice to the heavenly voice that came from heaven, the prison had no other choice but to give up and to let go because there is no such thing as being bound in heaven. As being shackled in heaven. As being chained in heaven. As being in bondage in heaven because we believe that in heaven all things are done. Is it true? Is everybody awake? Should we stand up and do some jumping jacks? If I were to ask you... On any church, on any street corner today, this morning, do you believe that people are sick in heaven? There would be a resounding, singular voice saying no. If I were to say, is anyone bound or in bondage in heaven, there would be a singular, and it's true, there would be a singular response, a resounding no. Do you believe that, all, that you are healthy and whole and, and all things are made new and, ha- and there would be a singular, resounding response? Yes, of course. The issue is not whether or not we believe in the same heaven. The issue is really timing. I don't just want to make heaven my home. I want to make my home like heaven. And so what Paul and Silas understood was they began to sing until what they sang was in perfect frequency with what was happening with the angelic choir in heaven. And when they sang and the angel's response was glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, the jail had no no other response but to give up its prisoners. Jail begins to shake. Prison doors open. Shackles come off. About midnight. See, that didn't take too long. Some of you, God, I'm not even going to mention time, Tammy. She rebukes me every week. Every week. It's all right. No. Some of you are in your midnight right now. I know it by the spirit, and some of it I know by the natural. Some of you are in your midnight. Some of you in your bodies, with your physical bodies, you're living right now at midnight. You haven't been healthy in a long time, and the prognosis is you might not be healthy for a long time. Some of your marriages are at midnight. You can faintly remember. When you dated him and, or dated her and loved her and fell in love with her, it's been so long ago. And you can't look down the future and say that I know for a fact we're going to. some of you are at, at your midnight right now. Some of you at your relationship with God are at midnight. You can faintly remember the time that you first heard his voice saying, come, just as you are. And if you look down the road, you really don't see what your future is going to hold because you've been, you've been so beaten up by disappointment. Some of you are at your midnight financially, some of you. You look back and say, my God, I didn't, well, like me, I didn't know I was going to have 900 kids. (laughs) You know, and you don't remember what it was like to be financially free. And if you look down the road, you can honestly say, I know that I'm almost there. My question to you is, as citizens in the new covenant of the kingdom of God, what will your response be at midnight? Because if your response is, I'm just trying to talk to you. More than preach these days, I'd almost rather talk to you. Because if your response is complaining, here's what you're going to do. Remember the children of Israel in the wilderness? They circled the same route, the same mountain for how long? Does anybody remember? 40 years. Now, I'm going to tell you, to some of you, that's a long time. I think 40 is young. It is. Complaining, griping, murmuring. And we all do it. And if you say you don't, then not only do you need forgiveness for lying, (laughs) you need to be free. We've all done it. I didn't plan on this happening. If he hadn't said that about me, we wouldn't have started this fight years ago. If she hadn't gone out and done that to me, or, or, or if, if he hadn't taken advantage of me, or if that person that I had this business agreement with hadn't lied on the agreement and went back on their promise. I mean, you name it. And as long as, you, as long as your response to this is to complain, here's the one thing that ain't going to happen. You ain't coming free. If you're in a marriage, a strained marriage, and and you play the blame game, as long as you're playing the blame game, you're not going to be free. Can I just talk to you? If you're in financial, if you're upside down financially, and maybe things happen to you, or maybe you made some boneheaded decisions, or maybe a little bit of both. I'm one that's done a little bit of both. You know, as long as you complain about it and talk about how good it'll never be and how you should have done this, could have, would have, should have, you're not coming out of that. But if, if in your midnight, you can say, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I bless your name. Right now, I don't see how I'm coming out of here. But my focus ain't on getting out. My focus is I'm going to worship you. I'm going to say that if my father is the God of the heaven and earth, and if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, if it's the same voice that said all the silver is mine and all the gold is mine, if if this is my, that I worship him, then I know that whatever, whatever, whatever has happened cannot keep me here. God uses and always has used as a, as a type of warfare, your worship. And that some of you say, man, I can't sing. Sarah told us years ago, worship is not a song, although a song can be worship. You don't have to be able to sing. In fact, I would say some of you, if, if you're going on how good you can sing, you're not getting out of anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you sound. It matters is the sound coming from the innermost part of your being, and are you, are you focusing on him when you do it? It doesn't matter whether you... Worship is simply worth ship. What is he worth? He has to matter more than your circumstance. That's the bottom line. He has to matter more than the place where you found yourself. And you say, well, man, I don't know how to get this. Up. Get along. Be alone. I bless your name. I, bl- I mean, it's weird. I watched my dad. My dad was a minister in states for almost 40 years. I have never knew him any... I never knew the unsaved version of Tony Bunn. I didn't know him B.C., (laughs) before Christ. (laughs) I knew him him Anno Domino in the year of... I knew him after he had been saved, thank God, because I heard he wasn't that pleasant of a person before. Was he? Just to you. I always knew him. I mean, there was... I knew there were so many times I watched him, and I knew that financially, uh, you know, he was completely struggling. He would try to work multiple jobs just to keep the church afloat and keep the family afloat and try to help other families in the church. You know, I watched him do this, and he was weird. At a time when I felt like he should be doing other things, he would go to the church, sit down at the piano, and just start to play and sing. I'm like, what are you doing? You're wasting time, dude. You can go make some money today. And he'd sit down at the piano and begin to worship. Or he'd pull his little, he called it a flat top, he'd pull his acoustic out and sing and begin to worship. I remember as a little boy sitting on the floor at his feet, just looking at him like, man, this is weird. But I like it. Pretty cool. There was, I've seen him many times before he died at death's doorstep. Sick as a dog. Without ta- and, and, not, and I'm for medicine. You should take it if you need to and if you're prescribed it. But without taking medicine, he would just lay there and, and, and say, you're my healer. And I watched God heal him again and again and again and again and again. And he taught us very early on something I'm trying to convey to you. Worship is the way you fight your battles. Refuse to complain. Refuse to capitulate to your circumstances. These circumstances, although they seem to be holding me, they cannot hold me. They can hold my body, but they cannot hold my spirit. It can hold my arms, but it cannot hold my voice. It can hold it can hold my legs and my feet, but it will not keep my spirit from singing unto the spirit that I'm one with and saying you're still worthy. If you never did another miracle, God, I still love you. If I'm never free, I still worship you. If you never do anything for my, I still love you anyways because my worship and my love is based on who you are and not what you do thing about God is He's so good is when you do that, the, 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 his response is always what the response of any good father would be what? In the midst of your darkest hour, you lifted me up anyways. Is there anything that God can't do? Is there anything too hard for God? You think that your marriage can't be fixed? With one breath of his nostrils, God can put the love back inside of both of you for each other that you have never experienced. You think that you're going to have to remain without, with one breath of his nostril and one assignment to one angel, he can send somebody and write whatever check needs to be written. I've had it happen to me. I'll tell you a story from from years and years ago. I was... Uh, Elizabeth and I had a van, and it, the motor blew in the van, and David and Sarah actually, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have told them, I, but they were so good to us, they said, the Lord spoke to us, we're going to put a new engine in that van for you, and they did. And we drove it years, and God, we had 300 and some thousand miles on that, thing, maybe four. And if you have buttons in your family, things tear apart a lot, real fast, a lot faster than I think any other last name kids. But anyways, we drove it and drove it and drove, and it broke down, and we fixed it again, and it broke, and then... Finally, I had gotten myself a little Asusa Trooper, um, something to drive around. This was years and years ago, and uh, I was praying one day, and uh, I said, "Lord, man, I'm thinking, what am I? This time we were full time ministry. If anybody has the plans to go into ministry full time, don't do it, <laughs> unless God tells you for sure. Because the one thing's going to happen is you're going to go broke, real quick. You'll, you'll love people and help people, and, and wonder how in the world you're going to eat." <laughs> you know? But that's what we had done. We felt like that was what we were supposed to do, and so, you know, we didn't know. Uh, and It wasn't for lack of trying, lack of effort, lack of work, but, you know, and I was driving to my friend David Heinz's house right up here on Old Mountain Road, and the Lord said, what do you want? I said, well, I really want her to uh, be able to find a way to get Elizabeth's car fixed. It's going to be another several thousand dollars. He said, that's not what I asked you. What do you really want? I said, well, I got a decent car now. I want my wife to have a nice van. Boom, phone rings. Literally, that very second, as God is my witness. Hello? Hey, uh... The Lord, I was just praying, and the Lord said that uh, I was supposed to call you because you needed something. What was it? As God is my witness, and I said, "Huh?" I said, well, and, and I, 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 I didn't want to say the truth because, you know, you don't want to be a burden to anybody. You don't want to be a charity case or anything like that. You don't want that. And I said, well, I mean, you know, it's, we just had some rough time. What? No, the Lord said to call you specifically. What's the problem? Because I'm here to help you. So, well, Elizabeth's van, you know, he said, is that the van that's got 400,000-some miles on it? I said, yeah, because I had preached for these people a lot. And he said, uh, well, why don't you just go pick her out a van, and we'll just write a check to buy her a new one. I <laughs> know. That's what I said. And so I'm thinking, did you just say this? Yeah. So then, then, then when we hang up the phone, here's what goes through my brain. What do they mean by new? Now, if you're, <laughs> if you're a button, especially growing up, you know, I don't think my dad ever owned a car with a muffler. Funny story, this is no lie. It's not because he didn't have money. It's because every dime he got, he put into the ministry and other people. But we didn't have a lot. And uh, Island Ford Road, where it meets Watermelon Road, that's where we begged him to drop us off at West Middle because everybody knew we were coming anyways, but we didn't want to blow the the school up with pop, pop, pop. I mean, it's just the loudest thing in the world. Everybody knew it not as the Batmobile, but the Bunton Mobile. Matt, you remember the Bunton Mobile. You've had a trip or two in it. We found a picture of it recently. I wanted to put it on fire and celebrate. So, my, I'm thinking, I really don't know how to define new, Lord. What is new? What is new? So, actually, I called back and said, I, I got a question for you. Can you give me some parameters? And he said, what do you mean? I said, parameters for buying. He said, well, I don't know. What's a new van? $20,000, $15,000? Go find a van that you like, and we're going to write the check for it. And that's exactly what happened. is that crazy? Went down. She found one. She went down. And the funny thing was when the person pulled away, he said, man, I think your wife has a nicer vehicle now than I do. <laughs> We drove that one till the wheels about fell off of it. I bring that up to say this: some of you, uh, some of you in your health, some of you in your finances, some of you in a relationship. Those are the three things that bother people the most. Also, there's some addiction things in here that God wants to break. But here's your, here's how you break it. It's not from me getting a bottle of oil and slapping oil on your head and saying, "I break the." Ba-. No, no, no. Can you find a place in, your, in yourself, in your quiet time to worship? I'm really, if I do my job well, I won't have a job for long because I will empower you to a place that you realize we just fellowship together. You don't actually need me. We just need each other in the way that a family needs each other, but I'm no more special to God than you are. I don't have like the inside scoop with God. Now, to be sure, he does nothing except he reveals it first to his servants, the prophets. But as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather be known as a son than a, than a servant. And there's very little major uh, decisions that I make in my family that at some point I'm not going to talk to my kids about. So you're struggling financially? Sit down before the Lord and begin to say, okay, Lord. The Bible says it's Him that gives you the power to get wealth. Did you know that? I had somebody recently ask me, would you pray that God will give me several hundred thousand dollars? I said, no, because you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. But I'll pray that He'll give you wisdom. And when you have wisdom, that will attract finance. I had to learn it myself. Would you pray that God would would heal me? And I said, well, if you don't eat 17 buckets of chicken and four scoops of ice cream when you go home, you probably do a whole lot just on principle and not even need a miracle. It's true, true, talking to me. Because I'm drinking bang. That's about the healthiest thing I drink. I've had Mountain Dew a lot. Mountain Dew was one of those things I hadn't quite decided if God or the devil invented it. Because it tastes so good. But it's not good for you. But I'm just going to give God credit. We just give you glory for Mountain Dew, Lord. Yeah, I do the same stuff. Elizabeth told all the whole soccer team a few weeks ago, man, he must really eat well. She said, no, he just works himself to death in the gym so he can enjoy his little debbies. I said, thanks for telling my secret. Yeah. Some of you, relationally, you're at midnight. You need God to move. And if he don't move, my dad had a famous saying years ago, man, it feels like all hell broke loose. But when all hell breaks loose, you find yourself a place of worship and all heaven will break with it. I know that I'm talking to some of you. I feel like I have something to say to all of you. I'm talking to myself at midnight. What are you going to do? Complain? Accuse him of being less than what he is? Or are you going to say, okay, Father, you're the only one that can fix this anyway? It's you that gives us the power to get wealth. It's you that put the love between a man and a woman. It's you that whatever, whatever your blank is, you feel it in yourself. William, give me something on the key. Father, we thank you that you are giving us weapons. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we understand that one of the weapons of our warfare is worship. Lord, you called us not, not just a mighty army, but a royal priesthood. It's literally our job, our responsibility as priest to offer you worship, to offer you praise. And we know that if we are the priesthood, it's your responsibility to take care of our issues. As we tend to your house and tend to your needs. You've covenanted with us to tend to our needs. I speak now, Lord, to broken marriages in this church. Some that are broken and everybody knows and some that are broken and nobody knows. I speak to hearts that have been pulled astray by things said or done in secret. I speak to the spirit of addiction in this place. People addicted to drugs and Pornography, but worse, worse than that, people addicted to shame and insecurity and seek ways to feel those insecurities outside of you. I speak that you hear my voice, that you have no hold on this people and that it may seem like forever since we saw the light of day and it might be a while before we see it, but we're going to choose at midnight to worship. I speak to those, Father, like our dear Laura Hall, Father, who seems like every time she turns around she fights another physical battle. I still stand and declare that in her body she will see the glory of God manifested. I thank you right now for Miss Judy who's in Forsyth Hospital that she would see in her body your glory manifested. That in this very moment she would feel the the heat of your glory. That as we raise our voice and our voices resonate with the rhythm of heaven that you move on her behalf. Thank you for those here Lord that are have been dealing with loneliness. Some of them are lonely and have a house full of people. Lord, that they would find themselves alone with you until all the darkness dissipates and fades and they understand that I'm free. I pray for those, Father, who feel like they don't quite fit or don't quite belong. That they would see themselves as they truly are as sons and daughters of the king, as kings and priests, they would, they would begin to love themselves again because they're made in your image and after your likeness. And that as you restore image and likeness, they begin to love themselves and consequently they're able to love others as they love themselves. I speak a blessing on everybody in, under the sound of true vine. I've made it my... I made it my life's goal in ministry to not rush you to not hurry you but to worship and through through worship personally and corporately that you would open the prison of many people I pray that you honor that this morning that those who are shackled to their own past their own mistakes their own failures would be free today would walk out of these doors with a, a new sense of purpose a new sense of peace a new lease on life and understand that you who the sun sets free is free indeed. Now as we close this service if you'd like to just as a point of contact just as a as a movement if you'd like to be prayed with if something that the Lord has put on your heart through the word or through the worship today has stirred you to the point of wanting to make a make a move whether it's just to simply worship him or to dedicate your life back to him or whatever it is you can come on up to the front if you'd like we'll stand here and sit here and pray with you if you don't come to the front you're no less blessed but I feel like there's some of you that would like that if you would come on up to the front now without judgment or condemnation we'll sit here with you and pray and believe with you Silas needed Paul and I believe that Paul needed silence. We all need somebody that will worship with us in our darkest hour. Find you a Silas, or find you a Paul. If you don't really know a whole lot about it, find you a Paul. If you know a whole lot about it, then become a mentor and find yourself a Silas. But find somebody that will worship with you in the darkest hour. If you want to pray it, come on up to the front now. We won't wait long. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for worship as warfare. We declare that at midnight, at midnight, we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.